0: I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister, an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. I love reading and I love crime, so what better way than to spend my time with crime writers and find out how they tick and how they marinate together characters, motives, killer instincts, murder suspects and their comeuppance. My special guest today is prolific international best selling crime writer Lee Russell, who has sold almost two million copies of her books. She's also chair of the Crime Writers Association Debut Dagger Award, and she's also a consultant fellow of the Royal Literary Fund. Lee has been described as a rare talent by the Daily Mail, and also described as a brilliant talent from crime writer Supremo Jeffrey Weaver. Hello, Lee, and welcome to the program.
1: Hello, and thank you so much for inviting me to come along and chat with you today.
0: You're very welcome. Now, in a moment, we'll hear more from you about your work. But first, let's talk about when we first met and how. Do you know what? I was trying to remember
1: when and where we (laughs) first met. I have a terrible memory, a really bad memory. And... um, I think it was, uh, was it at the Harrow? Yes, Radio that's station? right, Gaten
0: Gate Library in Harrow, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: That was quite a long time ago. And then, of course, we've had a couple of years of our lives just
0: kind of disappeared. Oh, gosh, many, we? many <laughs> years, yes. So <laughs> we, we met, we met at Gaten Library because you were, um, at the time, your first book, Caught Short, had just been published. Wow, that is going
1: back away. Yes, 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 That's it was about, your
0: first book. I remember that. I remember that. It must be about 15 years ago. Oh, gosh, That's as long gone. as that. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I remember
1: what happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> going back, that is a real, it, it's a very strange phenomenon, actually. I find that um, the book that I'm currently writing is always very much in my head, and mm. I know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. But if people ask me about any of my previous books, I struggle to remember the details because somehow, once a book has gone off, um, you know, has been edited and proofread and gone off, and I'm on to the next book, writing the next book, and the one that I have written sort of goes out of my head, and I'm just focused mm-hmm. on the one that I am writing.
0: So, I really do have a, a very dodgy memory. <laughs> well, tell, tell us, before we really get into your books, tell us a bit about your background. My
1: background is actually quite boring, And um, I once spent an afternoon with my publicist trying to find something really dramatic or interesting to say about me, to give me an engaging backstory for people. And there's really nothing that exciting in my life. I've been very, very blessed. Um, I had a happy childhood, what I can remember of it. Um, I had a happy childhood. I was quite successful in my um, educational career. Uh, went to university, studied English and got two degrees. I then, after doing a, a variety of, of jobs, became a secondary school English teacher. I'm very happily married. I have two daughters. I have a lovely granddaughter who is the joy of our lives, little biracial girl. And um, really my life has been very fortunate and, and quite dull. So the only exciting thing i've done i guess is uh is to write books
0: well you haven't got um a criminal background um <laughs> no. so how did you acquire your expertise not that we know of so how did you acquire your expertise in writing your your plots uh, really
1: just through having ideas and doing research i always start with an idea and then I will do whatever research is needed to make that idea come to life on the page. So over the years I've had some very, very good contacts on the police force. And this is quite um, difficult to acquire because acting police officers are understandably very cagey about their current uh, procedures. And it's a bit of a cat and mouse game between criminals and the police because the criminals are always trying to find out exactly what the police are doing and the police are trying to find out what the criminals are up to. And in fact, um, some criminals, when they go into prison, they will sell their up-to-date information about what's going on in the police to other um, prisoners who are just about to be released because things change very rapidly. And so it's quite difficult. You really need a personal contact on the police force. Anyone who who is no longer serving is by nature going to be, by definition, going to be out of date. And I've been very fortunate to have some good, obviously anonymous, um, contacts on the police force. And um, retired police officers are very, very keen to share all their knowledge and very helpful. But as I say, they are a little bit out of the loop. So it's a question of having contacts, really, and being shown around and asking them what's going
0: on. Now, your first book, Caught Short, is a gripping psychological thriller, starring Detective Inspector Geraldine Steele. How how did you come to write that first novel? And tell us a bit more about it.
1: It was really just an idea that I had one day. Um, I was working as a school teacher, as I mentioned. I was walking through my local park On my way to visit a student who was doing work experience. And it was a rainy day, so the park was deserted. And in my local park, there's a a tangled copse of trees and shrubs on one side of the path. And as I approached this, a man came round the bend in the path walking towards me. And I just had an uneasy feeling about him. And he scuttled on, and I walked on. I happened to glance down, and sticking out of the ground cover, the leaves and um, mulch on the ground, I saw a human hand. Oh. Now, there is a point at which that little narrative deviates into fiction. I was in the park. I did pass a man who made me feel uneasy, perhaps because we were the only two people in the park at the time because it was raining. But... Um, I didn't see a body in the bushes, but the idea occurred to me, and I thought, I mean, come on, I make up things for a living, (laughs) but um, but the idea occurred to me, and I thought, what would I do if I saw a body in the bushes, and I've seen this man, I know he was here at this time, I could describe him to the police, I could identify him, and so um, one of the main characters in Cutshaw is a grumpy middle-aged English teacher, that was me, and she does past somebody in the park and she does see a body in the bushes. What does she do? Does she go to the police or not? And then of course there's the story of the killer, this man in the park. What's he doing? Killing somebody. What's his story? And his victim. What was her backstory? Perhaps she had a boyfriend who used to knock her about a bit and he becomes a suspect. Maybe she didn't turn up at work the next day and her boss gets annoyed. So all these stories about the characters started spilling out and I went home and I started writing the story and I just wrote and wrote. I became fascinated by the character of my killer. I wrote pages and pages and pages about him. Mm -hmm. And um, Geraldine Steele, my detective, at this point still a sergeant, she really comes in at the end of the book in the original manuscript just to solve the crime. When I got a publishing deal, which happened very quickly, my editor said to me that I was going to have to make my detective a bit more interesting. And I, and uh, my editor said, we don't need to know quite so much about the killer because I went into meticulous detail about his, his mindset and what was going through his head. And my editor said, I mean, I hope it's not a spoiler to say that at the end of the book, the killer does get caught. The detective is the character who is going to continue through the series. So I needed to make her more interesting. So I worked on Geraldine Steele. So that was cut short. And in the second book, um,
0: Road Closed. Um, Lee, at that point, did you know there was going to be a series?
1: Well, um, I was offered a three book deal and I grabbed it. I was so excited. So I knew there were going to be three books at least. And of course, those books, the first couple of books sold really well. By the time I was writing the third book, my publisher offered me another three book deal. And so that's been the pattern as I'm writing the final book in the um, in the contract, a three book deal. And then we went on to four book deals. As I'm writing the last book, we have a new contract for the next books. And so um, the 20th book in the series is out in August. Gosh. And I always had in mind that I would like to write 20 books because that's what uh, happened with CAD file. Mm. Um My publisher was very keen that I didn't kill Geraldine Steele off in the 20th book. So we can still continue. And discussions are ongoing about that. So um, we'll need to make a decision fairly soon whether mm. we continue mm. or not. Mm. But really, as long as, as long as people keep buying the books and my publisher keeps wanting to publish them, mm. Mm. I'll keep, it, it really comes down to readers if they want me to continue or not.
0: I like the fact that your book titles are just two words. Can you tell us about that? Why did you choose to title them with just two words?
1: Two words are a little bit punchy. It's easier to put them in big um, font on the cover of the book in a large font. I sometimes joke that it takes more time to think of a title than it does to write the actual book. It's very difficult. And the problem is I like the idea of having original titles. I think I'm a writer, I'm a wordsmith. I should be able to come up with something original, but there are so many crime books around now. and you think of a really good title, it's already been done half a dozen times. And since, I mean, Cut Short was the first, mm. Cut Short. Mm. But there are about half a dozen books titled to Cut Short now. So um, it's almost impossible to think of a, a good title that works, that hasn't been done before. So it's getting increasingly difficult. But I and, like that, um,
0: actually. I like the two words. As you say, they're punchy. I... Um, Yeah, I I like that quite a lot.
1: It works very well in the crime genre because crime readers want something that comes up and kind of slaps them in the face in the book. And the two words do that, yes. And I also like the sort of ambiguity titles. I mean, cut short can be, can have all sorts of meanings, can't it? And road closed has different meanings. And um, guilt edged, which we spelt G-U-I-L-T, edge. They have they have. Other meanings, don't they? Yes,
0: yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Very, very different to think
0: of them. Yeah. Now, because the main character Geraldine is a DI and your books are about police procedures, are they also about other things as well as police procedures? Yes. I mean, first
1: of all, I have to say my police procedure is not entirely accurate. Um, In the real world, detective inspectors will spend most of their time sitting at a desk, juggling budgets. Well, that doesn't make for a very exciting read. So Geraldine is always the first detective at the scene. She always views the body before um, it's been taken off to the mortuary. She always sees the the murder scene. That's not entirely realistic, but I do sacrifice authenticity for the sake of the story. And I do have quite a lot of readers on the police force, and they're fine with that. I'm writing fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of other things, yes, I think one of the things that makes crime fiction so interesting is that it does allow us to examine issues in our society. So, for example, Cut Short, um, the killer is really a character who should not be out in in the community unsupervised. Yet there are people like that who are out there. What are we doing about it? Um, one of my books, Murder Ring, investigates the issue of gun crime. I don't like guns, but I just felt when Geraldine moves to North London, I couldn't really continue a series of police procedurals in North London and never mention guns. And of course, most people in possession of guns are not evil master criminals. They're dysfunctional people. They're people on drugs. This is a real issue in our society. Another of my books um, looks at the issue of homelessness. And so in each of my books I do, as well as writing a murder story, I do raise issues that are going on in society. And we can kind of um, hold a mirror up to what's going on in society. I have no answers. Some of these problems are unanswerable, really, because we don't put in the funding that would be necessary to solve them. But um, I think it's, it adds an extra layer of interest in a crime novel, to actually look not only at how individuals behave in extreme circumstances, but also how we as a society behave in difficult circumstances. And I think we perhaps all have a shared responsibility for all these things that we don't really meet. But I mean, as I say, I have no answers to these problems. We are beset by problems in society, aren't we? Um, another of my books looks at um the issue of grooming on the internet of young people, and so on. so yes, i'm I'm not just writing police procedurals. i'm I'm using a dramatic story, a grouping story, to also air different uh, different issues
0: That's quite interesting. Um, that's quite interesting, actually. And clearly, your readers like that sort of thing and like and they obviously like the way you you introduce social issues into your books because clearly they are buying it.
1: Yes I mean how can we really write about our lives in this day and age or anybody's life without social issues? Impinging at some point. I mean, the the books are not all about these social issues. They're they're kind of in the background. Mm. The main thrust of the of the novel is the murder investigation. You know, we have a body, who killed them, and of course, well, most murders are solved very quickly because they tend to be domestics. And so, you know, a woman's found dead in her front room, or a man, and their partner standing there, you know, with a knife. I mean, that's it. But in a in a crime novel. The, the murder cannot be solved until the last page. It has to go on through a whole novel. At the same time, I can't make my detectives seem really stupid. So there has to be something tricky and a bit of a twist and something that makes it difficult for the police to find out who done it.
0: How many copies of Geraldine's Steel have you sold?
1: Well, this I'm not quite sure. I mean, we, we hit a million a few years ago. So I think we must be up to two million now. And um, we haven't done a count yet. I've asked my publisher and um, a while ago it was one and a half million. So I think we're probably up to two million now, but I, I don't really know exactly.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent. Because then you moved on to Detective Inspector Ian Peterson. Who was he in relation to Geraldine? Ah, okay. So
1: Geraldine starts her career in Kent and she is a, an inspector she has a rather well, nice young sergeant called Ian Peterson and they become friends and he is quite a, a main character in the first 3 books in the fourth book in the series deathbed Geraldine moves to london i just felt after three books it was time to shake things up a bit give her a new team around her for myself as well as for readers but some a lot of readers complained because they rather liked Ian Peterson. I hadn't abandoned him. Um, He still made a cameo appearance in each of Geraldine's books. Just in one chapter, they would meet up for a drink, whatever. Um, So she was in London, and she left him behind in Kent. So I wrote a a trilogy for Ian Peterson. He moves up to York, partly to get away from his in-laws. He has quite an annoying wife, (laughs) And so, although he and Geraldine are friends, he's married, he goes up to York. Well, in, um, I think, about book six of the Geraldine Steele series, something happens and she is demoted to sergeant and she has to leave the Met. She doesn't lose her job, but she has to move. So I thought, okay, I'll move her up to York. So Mm. she becomes reunited with Ian Peterson. She was the inspector and he was the sergeant in the first three books. She then becomes his sergeant in about book six, I
0: think. Oh, I, I like that. I like that. That's interesting. You know I, yeah, I would like
1: to say all this was very carefully planned. It wasn't at all. It just kind of happened.
0: I mm. um, mm.
1: complained about losing Ian Peterson, so I wrote his trilogy. Because of the story, Geraldine had to leave London and I was racking my brains thinking, where should I move her? And it was <laughs> obvious, actually, to move her to York. Mm. Um, she becomes an inspector again um, as as the series moves on. Um, and um, Ian had an annoying wife. I wanted to get rid of her at some point without it reflecting badly on Ian. Mm. So mm. A very annoying, and then I started getting this, <laughs> this from readers saying, she's so annoying, oh, get rid of her, kill her. <laughs> anyway, you need to read the series to see what happens. But mm. uh, yeah, there's mm. kind of backstory and a relationship between Geraldine and Ian, which, as I say, I, I didn't plan in advance. When I wrote the first manuscript for cut short the first book i had no idea anybody else would ever read it let alone publish it the first person to read that manuscript was my publisher i just sent it off thinking well why not and um fortunately for me and also i think for them um they liked it and offered me a three book deal and
0: we're still here still going good 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 But then you changed tack a little with the introduction of Lucy Hall. Can we talk about her? Yes, uh, this
1: arose because when my husband was a very young man, he worked in Seychelles. He was an accountant in a hotel in Seychelles. And while he was there, there was a political coup. And he told me all sorts of stories about what went on. And I just thought, this is a gift for a writer. I mean, when the coup took place, he was told he had a phone call from the manager of his hotel saying, don't leave your house. There's a 24 hour curfew for expats. They had Tanzanian guards with machine guns. They'd been handing out guns to all the local lads who were in no way trained to use guns. And it was a very volatile situation. And the hotel manager said to him, only last night, one of the locals was shot dead down on Bovalon and my husband said, "Wow, well, they are really hot under the collar about their politics here, aren't they? And the hotel manager said, oh, "That was nothing to do with politics. They had an argument over a lobster pot. You know, these things happen, but all these young men have been given guns. So mm-hmm. there were quite a lot of stories like that. And I thought I have to write this, this story. So I did. Mm-hmm. And um, that was published. Um, my publisher, this was a different publisher, and they wanted it changed a little bit. They wanted, because um, my protagonist originally was a middle-aged man who had worked in Seychelles as a young man, went back with his wife and daughter as an older man, and um, then something which he had done, which my husband promises me he never did, something he had done comes back to bite him. Um, well, I had to change it so that the daughter was actually the main character because, again, they wanted a trilogy, and they wanted a young woman to carry it through. But that's how that started. and. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have to go to Seychelles for a couple of weeks for research purposes. I mean, it's a
0: hard job. I was just going to say that. What a hardship. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, you do have to go to a place and actually see it if you're going to write about it. Because is the sand actually white or golden? What does it sound like up in the cloud for us? What does it feel like? Um, so uh, we did go there for a couple of weeks. It was actually a little bit pressurised because... I had to make sure I found out everything I needed to know while I was there because I couldn't pop mm-hmm. back. So we spent a lot of time in the local police station down on Bovalon Bay. We spent a lot of time in the um, in the main police, uh, police headquarters in Victoria, the capital of the island of Seychelles. And they were all very excited because this, you know, English author has come over and is writing a book set in Seychelles. In fact, the... Um, the Minister for Culture and Tourism actually flew over for the launch of the book in London. Mm. And um, it was all very exciting at the time. But that was how that arose. When I wrote the second and third books, I set the, the second one in Paris, where we have friends who live there. And we went there for a couple of weeks. And I did need to pop back, but Paris is is quite accessible. And the third one I set in Rome, where, again, we have a friend and we went to uh, stay with her. She's English, but she's lived in Rome for about 40 years, so um, although I've not lived in these cities, I know people who live there, and they were able to take me off the beaten track and show me things that tourists wouldn't normally see, and that was enormously helpful in building the world of the book. I think as a writer, if your character visits a place or moves to a place, like Geraldine moving to York, that's fine, you can go and live there for a couple of weeks and get the feel of the place. But I think if you're writing about a place for a character who was born and grew up there, then that would be very difficult if you weren't actually born and grew up there, or if you hadn't lived there for quite some time.
0: And now you have another series, Barking Up the Right Tree. Tell us more yeah. about that.
1: Well, this is kind of a fun, but uh, my publisher helps them and is, is publishing them. So we'll see how they do. And this arose because um, my daughter acquired a rescue puppy and this little dog is so clever and so cute and so adorable and it took her a while to settle down. She was very, very nervous to begin with because she was a rescue and they're not quite sure how well she had been treated before they had her. But she's been with them for nearly two years now and... um, I don't think any dog could be more loved or better looked after than she is. And she's really, really sweet. And um, I've just fallen in love with this little dog. And so she inspired um, a, a series of, of cosy crime. I mean, they're not that cosy because my mind doesn't go that way, but they are a lot cosier than Geraldine Steele. They're not as gritty. These are not police procedurals. They are um, just a, a young woman who acquires the dog, and uh, crimes happen, murders. And the dog helps to solve the crimes. Not in any kind of anthropomorphic way. She is just a dog, but
0: she sniffs out them. Mm. So your series, are they very different for the readers?
1: Yes, yes. Geraldine Steele is a gritty, um, as realistic as I can make it, crime uh, a murder story um, barking up the right trees is, is lighter and a little bit more kind of fun it's it's sort of um bridget jones meets agatha christie oh. with a little bit of blood
0: thrown
1: oh. in. Ah. <laughs> and I, hopefully dog lovers are going to enjoy it as well
0: i was wondering how do you choose the names for your characters with difficulty oh
1: if i could if i could have my time again probably would give Geraldine Steele a different name but I had to come up with something and I think um I was just looking for something with a bit of a ring to it um and uh, Steele maybe is is a little bit too kind of obvious I don't know but anyway that's the name we gave her and so that's the name I have to Mm. stick to and it seems to work I think choosing the name of a series character is quite a an important issue, really, because I didn't realise at the time I was going to be stuck with these names Mm, for so long. mm. But um, yes, I mean, some names just feel right. And sometimes I will change um, characters' names as I'm writing, because a name has to feel right somehow. But um, there's no um, rhyme or reason to it, really. I obviously try to avoid names that sound too similar in a book. So at one time... In one of my novels, I had, I think, a Gemma and an Emma, something like that. And my editor pointed out that they could be a little bit confusing for readers. So I changed one of them because names are labels that attach to characters to help readers remember who they are. And so it's quite important that they are reasonably distinct without seeming implausible. So, yes, a bit of thought goes into this. But at the end of the day, you have to pick a name. And you pick a name.
0: And do you like your characters? And is it necessary for the author to like them?
1: Oh, I love them. They've sold <laughs> those books for me. <laughs> um, do I like them? Interesting question. Um, I find my killers are very, very interesting. And this is really what drives my, all my novels, because they all involve murders. What is it drives somebody to kill another person?
0: That brings us to the end of part one of Lee's interview. And you can hear part two in our next episode. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us again next time as we go behind the yellow tape. Till then, catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com and also on all podcast providers.